Welcome to Crunching Tackles, where we break down the hardest hitting social issues in sports. On today's show, we're calling this Shut Up and Dribble 2.0, but this time, instead of the criticism of athletes speaking out on social issues coming from outside the sporting world, it's actually coming from inside the sporting world. And John and I are going to break down the Zlatan Ibrahimovic-LeBron James feud. And we're going to break it down in every single detail that the feud exists in. And so with all that, we're going to welcome in John Nekrasov. John, how are you this week? Chad, I am doing really phenomenally. The weather is great. Liberty Basketball is about to start the ASUN tournament. Um, Arsenal Football Club has won a couple games recently. Honestly, I think we won our lot. Yeah, we beat Leicester mm-hmm. this weekend. So mm-hmm. really, I'm doing great there. Um enjoying just generally listening to podcasts other than our own i've posted so many things on social media this week um for our podcast specifically Mm -hmm. really it's probably like a 200 percent improvement on all the other weeks over the past like two months um in terms of my posting regularity so i hope all of you are enjoying the um volume of posts that i'm flooding your newsfeed with which still isn't really that many given that you know you're supposed to be like posting things every day but right you know i i, I try john, i really do are you are you feeling the madness of march i'm feeling the madness of march i'm not gonna lie every year you know i, I was not into basketball at all when i came to liberty in 2017 um my very first basketball game that i think i went to was liberty's big south our last big south conference championship game uh against radford and it was like it was it was like a high school gym full to the brims and it's something you can't even imagine happening now uh, with thousands of fans it was just like it was an insane atmosphere and i think i fell in love with basketball that day um and so every year when when this time of year rolls around and liberty playoff basketball starts back up again you know i watch i normally don't i'm not a man for hype videos but I watch every single hype Liberty basketball video. I'm just a sucker for all of them. So <laughs> that's really funny. It's the old. It's literally the only. I don't even watch Arsenal hype videos. It is the only thing that I can actually get hype for. John, I this 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 weekend is going to feel like a lot of like everything going full circle for me because deja vu. I'm going to my first in-person sporting event since COVID started. It's been literally a year, and I'm going to the exact same event as last year, which is the ACC Women's Tournament, and you know, safely with social distancing, 15% capacity, according to the governor's order. But I'm going to be there for a couple of days, uh, taking in the hoops. And I'm I'm super excited. I It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. So. That's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, I've, we talked about this a little bit before, like I've been to a few games just for covering sports for the champion. But like, aside from those, like, I mean, I haven't been back to games either. I haven't been to a game as a fan in a long time. Yeah. In a long, yeah. long time. Uh, we're going to take in four games on Friday, two games on Saturday. That's so fun. Just kind of soak it in. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a really, really great time. Yeah. Other than that, John, everything in your life going well? Yeah, just, you know, the usual usual school humdrum. Um, I'm drinking tea. You know, that's really that. You're always that, drinking tea. I'm always. I think I drink a cup of tea on every single episode. Um, hey, everyone, everyone has their superstitions. It's true. Yeah, like I kind of come in, like I like you know dunk the tea bag four times just to make sure that like I'm gonna <laughs> have all the get right the, thoughts come together yeah, well. That's exactly right. Yeah. Do you have anything exciting going on in your life before we get to all the exciting sports news of the world? Honestly, not besides this this trip to Greensboro. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be the highlight this week. Sports. John, 
Those are important for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have a question this week from a listener, or is this a question that you came up with? Uh, this is a question from a listener, John Mercenario. Um, and this was actually a question from last week that I think we missed, but it's fine. The question is, will City, Manchester City, win the quadruple this year? If you don't know what a quadruple is, it is when a team wins the, basically their domestic league, which in this case is the Premier League, the Champions League, and then both of the domestic um, playoff cup trophies in England. Um, and I don't, to my knowledge, no one has ever done it. Um, and honestly, you know, Guardian Football Weekly talked about it this, uh, this past week. You know, it may be the closest that anyone's ever been right now. City going to win the Premier League. They are about to go into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which, I mean, they could still choke. And they're in the final of one of the cups, and I think they're in the quarterfinals of the other one. So, you know, it's not like all the ducks are in a row, but, like, they're still in the running for all of them. I don't know what you think. Yeah, but you have to, like, say, are they? You have to say yes or no. You can't just say, like, yeah, there's a chance. Like, we know there's a chance, John. Are they? Mm, Take a stand. Are they? No. Yeah, no, they're not. They're absolutely no. not. They're definitely not. They're definitely going to win the Premier League. That's done. Yep, for sure. They win the Carabao Cup. They won't. I mean, they're going to. I think they're going to lose. lose one, I think they're going to lose one of the two domestic cups. Either they're going to lose to Jose because he's going to do something. You know, he's a good one-game manager. Yeah. Or they have they have a tough draw in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. They have Everton, and then that that's only going to get tougher. Mm-hmm. I think they are the definitive favorites for the Champions League as well, and I think that's correct. And I think their focus will be on the Champions League. They're going to invest everything they have in the Champions League to win that. They're yeah. going to win the Premier League just by default. And that means that as in terms of squad depth and resting players, they're going to give up on one of these two cups. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know which it's going to be, but they're going to get, yeah, I think one, one of these two domestic cups. I think they're going to win three, but they're not, not four. Okay. A treble still pretty respectable, John. Um, so rest with that. Um, you've won enough recently, so don't get greedy. Is John a City fan? <laughs> yeah. Okay, stop being greedy. <laughs> some of us are suffering over here, John. Stop being greedy. <laughs> we, some of us are languishing in 10th place in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, you already won the Premier League. You're going to win something else. Just, just, just take it easy, all right? Just calm down. <laughs> John, it's not very often that the worlds of my sporting fandom collide in such an obnoxious clash as they are in the newspapers and headlines this week. Really, this is the ultimate conflict of interest for Chad, guys, this conversation we're about to have. Yeah, this really is, you know, I said last week that Tiger Woods is my favorite athlete. Mm -hmm. These two are each in my top five, for sure. Yeah. And that's LeBron James and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who have been in a little verbal spar, I guess. Which is so bizarre, given that, like, they have no connection to each other whatsoever. Like no, it was just it just yeah, kind of happened. That's right. The only connection was that they were in Los Angeles at the yeah, same time true. for a yeah. little bit when Zlatan was playing for the Galaxy when LeBron first joined mm-hmm. the Lakers. And I know that they they met and uh, Zlatan attended several Lakers games and is a big basketball fan. But John, I guess, do you want to go ahead and kind of like describe what happened here? Um, sure. Uh, essentially, well, actually, do you want to break it down? Sure. Yeah, I, I feel like I you're, you're the LeBron expert down. here. Yeah. yeah. So, Zlatan was doing an interview, and he was asked if he enjoyed LeBron James and basketball in America, and he said yes. But then he pivoted, and this is clearly been something that has been on his mind. And he said, "Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think it's fun." But he goes on to say, 
speaking directly at LeBron James, do what you're good at. Do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best at playing football. I don't do politics. If I would be a political politician, I would do politics. This is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they become in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you do best because it doesn't look good. And then in a way that not many global athletes would achieve the status where and someone would even, you know, ask LeBron James to respond. Zlatan does have the status where when he speaks, people listen. And so after a game, a member of the media asked LeBron if he had any response. LeBron said, I will never shut up about things that are wrong. I preach about my people and I preach about equality, social justice, racism, voter suppression, things that go on in our community. I'm their voice and I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that might be going on, not only in my community, but in this country and around the world. LeBron then also went on to say that Zlatan was not the right person to be critiquing LeBron when it comes to speaking out because Zlatan has spoken out about racism. He has been subjected to in Sweden. I think we'll get into that part of it a little bit later, mm -hmm. talking about hypocrisy. And then obviously Zlatan heard LeBron's response and was asked to clarify it and clarify his statement. And what Zlatan said ultimately, and I think this is kind of where the quote-unquote feud ended, Zlatan said, athletes unite the world, politics divide it. Our role is to unite the world by doing what we do best. Athletes shouldn't be athletes, and politicians should do politics. John, I guess first first reaction to the back and forth, there's a lot, there's a lot here in these quotes. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of layers that we're going to tackle as we get into this. Um, but my initial thought I mean, we talked about the ways last week, we talked about the ways that, you know, athletes in popular culture kind of like shape cultural conversations. And this is an example of two athletes who like really very much are in the public eye. LeBron, you know, is basketball right now. LeBron and Michael Jordan and Kobe were like, are the faces of basketball for the entire world. And Zlatan is one of the faces of soccer. Like he is one of the most prominently recognizable names. You know, like maybe not as much as Messi and Ronaldo, but his flashiness and his crazy media brand um, definitely define soccer in a way. And I think my first reaction, and this is kind of stealing some ideas um, from Guardian writer Jonathan Liu, who wrote a column on this. Um, my first thought is that really this whole situation is a conflict between basically Zlatan's brand of athlete in LeBron's brand of athlete. And it's ultimately a collision of not just two different ways of viewing the world, but almost two generations of athletes, even though they're kind of in the same general age bracket. And so I think that's, I think that kind of was my immediate reaction was thinking like, you're seeing in this circumstance, basically Zlatan being asked to comment on LeBron's social justice ideas. And basically saying, you know, I think athletes should just be athletes. You know, instead of, you know, we talk about shut up and dribble. Instead of Laura Ingram saying LeBron needs to shut up and dribble. Zlatan is saying, I would like myself and other athletes to just shut up and dribble across the board. I don't mm -hmm. want things to be controversial. I just want to play the game. Um, and LeBron from, you know, for who knows how many years now, has been very clear that that's not how he views his platform, that he thinks it's irresponsible to have the platform he has and not use it for 
changing social issues in essence. So you really, I guess, kind of setting the stage for where where I think kind of this conversation ultimately ends up is you don't the conflict between these two players personalities ultimately signifies a question of in essence is the social platform of sports something to be used for entertainment or a moral obligation to change society Mm -hmm. with your viewpoints and that's i mean just jumping right out of the gates like that's a big question yeah i mean it's a massive question and both of these athletes do use their voice to promote what they care about. Mm-hmm. Um, Zlatan likes to talk about himself a lot, but he also <laughs> has some causes that he cares about. Mm-hmm. LeBron also likes to talk about how good he is and how important he is to the league and to the world. This is also true. But he also goes deep into issues that he cares about. And John, most of the, you know, the mainstream sports talk punditry has been, oh, pick a side. Do you take, are you on Team Zlatan or are you on Team LeBron? And you can only pick one. And, you know, we're going to do a little bit of breaking down who's right here. But kind of just starting out, I want to kind of explain a little bit of just how similar these two athletes really are. They both grew up in broken homes, Mm -hmm. in very poor and Uh, oppressed communities. Zlatan was born to an immigrant family in Sweden. Uh, His his parents divorced when he was two years old. He never lived with both of his parents at the same time. At any point in his life, he had multiple half-brothers and half-sisters, along with one real sister. LeBron grew up with a single mom, does not know his father, does not have any relationship with his father. They both grew up in poverty. Uh, Mom's working multiple jobs to make ends meet, struggling to find food. They both were discovered at very young ages as teenagers, as sensational athletes. They both became um, national and even international stars in their teenage years. And they both have reached the height of their playing careers. They are Mm -hmm. two of the most in-shape athletes ever. They are both testing the limits of longevity for their careers as they each get into their late 30s. And they both have reached heights of athleticism that very few people ever reach. And they both are examples of incredible success stories and people coming out from really, really tough situations and turning their lives completely around. And so in one way, it's kind of almost sad to see these two people who have a lot more in common than I think they do apart disagreeing in this way. But, you know, obviously they did disagree and they each are entitled to their opinions. And Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and get into their opinions. John, I think when you look at it from our American lens, it's pretty clear who who we think is right when it comes to just reading these quotes, right? Mm, I think from a certain perspective. Yeah. Um, if you ask, if you ask who's right, you know, should sports be a social platform or should sports be entertainment? Um, in the complex political world that we live in, like politicized world that we live in, you know, our our natural tendency within our social lens is to say LeBron is 100% right. Mm-hmm. You know, sporting activism is in vogue right now. Um, and you see that in across the media, right? I haven't I don't think I've seen a single article um, defending Zlatan's statement, mm-hmm. like in any news outlet that I've looked at so far. Um, there was an article in CNN. CNN had an op-ed. 
just wrote like the headline was why LeBron is right and Zlatan is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay, like that's that's kind of the cultural stance we have right now. Um, and on the one hand, I really do understand that perspective where LeBron's like, I have these issues that I'm really passionate about. And A, he totally has a right to say them. Like, I will never argue that he should not be taking the stan- stances. Like, if he believes in the stances that he's taking, he is well within his rights to talk about them. Um, but he believes that that's his duty, that's his obligation, and that other people should be doing the same. Um, and that is very much kind of the popular viewpoint. And Zlatan saying, you know, I really wish that sports were not like this, and that LeBron was not like this, is kind of cutting against the grain currently of what we think is a society. Um, but I'm, I'll talk about this a little bit later too. But I think it's easy to dismiss what Zlatan is saying because he approaches these things in such a selfish way where everything is about himself, right? Mm-hmm. Everything he says is about increasing his personal brand, saying ridiculous things. You know, he famously, when uh, when he was leaving Paris to go to uh, Los Angeles, you know, people were asking him to stay. And he said, I'll only stay in Paris if they replace the Eiffel Tower with a statue of me, basically. Yeah, before his so, first game in Los Angeles, he took a full page ad out in the Los Angeles Times that said, <laughs> Dear Los Angeles, and then the entire page is blank. And at the bottom, it says, You're welcome. Signs Laton. <laughs> you know, like, that's a man whose ego is just obviously far too big. But people enjoy it. He enjoys it. Um, yeah, but I love it's it. easy. Yeah, it's easy to take that brand and then be like, like Johnny Lou said in the paper, you know, Zlatan is entirely about his ego. Therefore, this stance is wrong. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but I'm not so sure that it's that cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not as cut and dry as most of the articles I've seen defending LeBron have been. Well, let's go ahead and do that part now. Let's do Zlatan first, and then we can talk about LeBron. Okay. A little bit about where Zlatan may be right or at least consistent and there he, where he may be wrong and comes across as a hypocrite. Zlatan is obviously entitled to his opinion. And for the most part, when you take his stance of do what you're good at, he's pretty much practiced what he preached. Like, mm-hmm. he reading his memoirs and things about him, his mindset is very, very similar to Michael Jordan in the sense that he is wholly devoted to perfecting his craft to an obsessive compulsive level. The way that he works out his body at age 39, just, I mean, if you look at what he's doing this year Mm -hmm. in the Italian top league at age 39, like you can, this is someone who is committed to his craft. Right. So, and, and he has not as far as I could tell, ever endorse any political candidates. He's not outspoken on many social issues. So in many ways, he is consistent in practicing what he is saying. And so he certainly is someone who is entitled to his opinion. And there's a, there is certainly an understandable position to view politics as divisive, especially when you look at America. And I'm sure his time in America in a hostile, polarized climate would impact that. His time in Manchester while the debate over Brexit was going on, he's seen the way that politics can divide a nation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the criticism has come up about him being hypocritical. And that's not just because of the causes that he has taken up. He's championed child hunger around the world um, and trying to end that as he obviously, you know, suffered from a lot of child hunger growing up. He's also has a detailed story where he talked about some of the racism and prejudice that he experienced in Sweden. 
he talked about how his last name Ibrahimovic is a Croatian name and you know it's you know in the way that European names work you can kind of tell by the ending of names where people come from Ibrahimovic Mandzukic Modric is it Bosnian or Yugoslavian yeah. but certainly yeah. foreign to Sweden you know Sweden names are all like Sigurdsson Stevenson Svensson whatever they all end with son <laughs> And so just based on his last name, he did experience prejudice. But another aspect of the criticism, and I, I saw this not only in The Guardian, but on first take on ESPN. Growing up, Zlatan said that his idol in sports is Muhammad Ali for what he did inside and outside of the ring. And I, I decided to do my homework on this. And so I, I pulled out my I Am Zlatan book that I read a while ago to... <laughs> Chad uh, is holding up a very audaciously covered book. Yeah, and uh, this is Latan's memoir. I was reading through it again in preparation for this podcast, and I got to the part where he talks about growing up watching Muhammad Ali. And in his in Latan's defense, he never actually says that he liked Muhammad Ali because he f- took up social issues. He liked Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali was brash, aggressive, and talked about himself a lot. He liked Muhammad Ali because he said, I am the greatest. He liked Muhammad (laughs) Ali because he never backed down for a fight, which are all attributes that Zlatan has, perhaps unlike any other athlete since Muhammad Ali, carried the torch. And so I don't don't think that Muhammad Ali criticism is necessarily hypocritical. But, yeah, I guess that's kind of of the Zlatan side, John. I, I know you had a nuanced view of Zlatan's quotes as well. Yeah, I think... I think the first thing that kind of comes to mind is I saw a lot of a lot of times where articles talked about Zlatan basically saying athletes should you know quote unquote stay in their lane, um, and that basically that staying in your lane is now a bad thing. Um, but what's interesting is I think Zlatan kind of comes from kind of exemplifies the cultural tradition of an earlier generation of athletes whose reputation in society was made by the fact that they were great athletes and not just cultural figures. Like their their personalities and their exploits on the field of the court was what made them iconic in the public eye, right? When you think about MJ, you think about David Beckham, you think about Kobe Bryant, even someone like Maradona, you know, they became notorious and popular in popular society because they had this mixture of almost like what what you call like the maverick like just like iconic streak of intensity and anger and flashiness that all kind of mixed together with kind of a a personality that often rubbed people the wrong way led to them being popular in the public eye um and Zlatan's very much fits that bill of an athlete who's made he may he has done some things for social causes mm-hmm. as you talked about but he's made his name by being someone who you know is popular because of his athletics and his personality mm-hmm. which is very much kind of an old school way of seeing things modern athletes have been very different you think about Marcus Rashford he is in unlike very few soccer athletes today like in uk culture because of his social activism he is basically at the top of athletes of soccer athletes that are like in the cultural eye yeah mark Mark, when fans return to the premier league marcus rashford will get a standing ovation in every single stadium he goes in Mm -hmm. because of the work he's done 
That, that's yeah. like, it transcends even sports fandom. Right. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Rashford, um, the podcast Set Piece Menu did a whole conversation on athletes kind of like in the public eye. And he was one of the primary examples they talked about. Um, you know, you think about someone like LeBron, he, you know, can make it, you can make a case for him that he's the greatest bas- basketball player of all time. But so much of his current cultural brand is him talking about social issues. And mm-hmm. just Zlatan is very different. And so I think that's, that's kind of what I was talking about regarding like the selfishness of Zlatan, quote unquote, is like that personal brand is no longer seen as enough by society. But kind of in defense of Zlatan, I guess, in defense of this of the statements he made, I think that there is a reality to what he's saying that if you feel like you need to use your athletic platform to bring politics into the limelight even more than they already are, that's your prerogative. But we, you and I both know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that politics have basically taken over society. You know, there is not a single sphere of anywhere on social media or sports or Star Wars now that is not touched by politics, political arguments, political discussions. You know, we haven't even talked about Gina Carano being fired on this podcast, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, like, yeah. Like Star Wars, sports, actual politics, your dining table, Thanksgiving meals, church, whatever place of worship you go to, politics is everywhere. And I think there's something to be said for what Zlatan is saying that like, maybe we don't need more politics in the public eye. Like athletics, it's it's not like we're, we're lacking in people being socially active, you know, where it's like, if LeBron didn't talk about politics, after every game in the NBA, we wouldn't have enough politics to go around. Like, you know, I've, I have my fill of politics every day. Thank you very much. You know, and so like more power to athletes mm-hmm. if they want to use their platform. But I think there is a general weariness of constant politicization of things that Zlatan maybe is pointing to a little bit in his own strange way. And I think even if he is coming from the wrong perspective in this circumstance, I don't think what he's saying is necessarily wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And let's, I agree in the sense that sports has been historically, and many people still is, the place to get away from politics. And there is merit to that oasis from the burning fire going on in every other aspect of our world. And I, I, I'm very sympathetic to that. John, on the flip side, we have LeBron. And I'll go ahead and you know kind of give my take on him. I think factually he's right. I think it's not only okay, but productive for athletes to engage mm-hmm. in social causes, especially when they're championing equality and issues of people being oppressed. So um, that's, that's, the, that's where I think I think on everything LeBron said, I think he's correct. Mm-hmm. A, a few to add the nuance to LeBron's point, I think that I wonder if why my first question was, why did Zlatan choose LeBron to focus on? Why not Marcus Rashford or some other athlete in the NBA or something else? And I think the reason is not only because LeBron is a bigger superstar than anybody else, but I think it's also because LeBron takes his speech when it comes to social issues and politics further than other athletes. Mm-hmm. 
while the issue of racism and uh, oppression, I believe, are more humanitarian issues than they are political, LeBron does become blatantly political when he, and in a partisan way, when he right. directly responds to Donald Trump or a, speaks at a Hillary Clinton rally and endorses her. I know that race and politics are connected, but LeBron's association with politics goes further than building a school to help bring black children out of poverty or by identifying himself with the phrase Black Lives Matter. He chooses sides in blatantly partisan races and blatantly partisan ideologies. And so I think he does take a, the step further than other athletes do in terms of being a very partisan figure. Mm -hmm. And the other side to this is we have to address LeBron's own hypocrisy. We can't have a conversation where we're saying that LeBron is the champion of athletes speaking about social issues without bringing up what he said when Daryl Morey spoke out in support of the Uyghurs in China. Right. What LeBron James basically said, he called Daryl Morey misinformed. He said, I believe he was either misinformed or not really educated on the situation. Wasn't it Hong Kong? Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't the Uyghurs. It was Hong Kong. The unrest in Hong yeah. Kong. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. What he said was, in response to what Daryl Morey said, so many people could have been harmed not only financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful when we tweet and say what we say what we do. Even though, yes, we have freedom of speech, but there can be lots of negative that comes with that. And then he said, I do not believe there was any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. So basically, when he says, I don't believe there's any consideration for the consequences, and he says people were hurt financially, essentially what he said was, Daryl Morey, you don't get to, you shouldn't speak about this issue because you're going to cause me to lose money. If in a hypothetical, an NBA owner said, LeBron, you can't speak about Black Lives Matter because I'm going to lose money for people who get turned off from the NBA and stop watching. That would be a happening. completely unacceptable argument and mm -hmm. LeBron James would be furious. Yep. But that is essentially what he did and said to Daryl Morey. So right. Le LeBron is not an unequivocal champion of social issues. He's a champion of the social issues that he supports. But when, and maybe, I, I don't know, he probably does support the Hong Kong, I don't know. But the risk of his personal capital was something where when he wants to speak out something, he supports it. But when someone else wants to speak out something that could hurt LeBron financially, all of a sudden that person shouldn't speak. So right. if we're gonna speak LeBron, we need to all speak about what we all care about. For you, that's Black Lives Matter. If for Daryl Morey, that's Hong Kong, then he has every right, as you do, to speak. And if you're going to get mad at Zlatan being critical of you, you don't get to then be critical of Daryl Morey. Right. I think the problem here, the problem, my problem with partisanship and politics in sports is that you, like you're saying, you can't have it both ways. You can't shut up the other side of people to disagree with you and also say that being activist in sports is mandatory. Um, former NBA player Eaton Thomas wrote a column for The Guardian basically also attacking Zlatan. And he, he wrote, you know, he basically was comparing Zlatan to like the Fox News cronies like Laura Ingram who complained about LeBron talking about social issues before. And he wrote, um, you know, it's perfectly okay like t saying what 
Ingram said. Mm -hmm. Like, it's perfectly okay for athletes to use their platform when they're promoting a narrative that you agree with or that is personal to you. That double standard was on full display last year when the GOP invited NFL and college football legend Herschel Walker to be a speaker at the Republican National Convention. Mm -hmm. And he's basically saying Republicans and conservatives want, you know, want their athletes to talk about social issues. But when it comes to people who agree with me, like LeBron, you know, they want them to shut up. And he is correct. I've seen plenty of conservatives complain about LeBron taking all these stances on social issues. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I've seen tons of people complain about people like Herschel Walker making political statements that are conservative. They're like, why are you allowed to say this? You know, when, uh, you know, think about how many people tried to cancel Tom Brady for like having a Trump hat in his locker or Nick Bosa when he was at the Niners. Herschel Walker, when he was speaking at the convention, Uncle Tom was trending on Twitter. Mm -hmm. People were calling him a sellout, you know, and like, I am I am more than happy to have social issues be championed in the sports world. But if you're going to, on the one hand, you basically silence the other side and then say, I am the champion for free speech and social rights, you know, then ultimately there's, I think what Zlatan maybe is saying here or what the deeper problem here is, is that in the end, you're just getting a monologue from one side of the story either way mm-hmm. and if if it's going to be like that then it's better to just have no politics and sports at all and that's kind of my stance yeah i think the partisanship as opposed to dealing with dealing the differentiation that i'm trying to make is between athletes engaging in humanitarian work and mm-hmm. athletes engaging in politics my final takeaway from this whole conversation having you know liking both athletes thinking about it both sides if i could, I would challenge Zlatan to view what people like LeBron James is doing as striving for equality and not necessarily politics. In the same way as Zlatan spoke out about racism in Sweden, in the same way that Zlatan seeks to end child hunger, LeBron is trying to do a similar work. He's not trying to be a politically divisive figure. He's trying to bring equality to an oppressed group of humanity. And that's something that we should, we do not all, but we should all celebrate. There is a huge difference between athletes standing up for the oppressed, the hungry, those subjected to racism, and athletes becoming necessary political, quote unquote. For example, we do not see athletes talking about taxation, economic policy, Second Amendment issues, or big tech censorship. Those are Republican, Democrat, partisan policy issues. And Mm -hmm. athletes aren't engaging in that. Like they're they're not. I don't. I haven't seen a single athlete being like, we need a welfare task or we need a fifteen dollar minimum wage or big tech or anything like that. A lot of it is involving racism and oppression. Now, I think that as a society we we should agree that pursuing racial justice is good, and that is what the NBA is in trying to do. Whether or not you agree with how they're doing it. Now, like yeah. I said, LeBron is a more partisan figure. Like when he singled out Donald Trump or he endorsed Hillary Clinton, obviously Steph Curry actually appeared at the Democratic National Convention in 2020 and endorsed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at the DNC. And so they, these athletes have not always perfectly walked that line of politics versus humanitarian work. But I think that what LeBron is doing is championing equality. And equality is not a divisive issue. Equality should be a unifying issue. 
And while many aspects of partisan politics are divisive, I don't think ending racism should be divisive. Well, I guess the the, the kind of final takeaway for our perspective on LeBron here is the issue of race has been so politicized this year. You know, like we've talked about this issue before and there are some really important things that need to be tackled in our society. But there are so many layers of politics that have also been added to the question of race that it isn't just as simple as we all need to pursue equality. Mm-hmm. Like in LeBron, if you talk to LeBron about it, LeBron would not see it that way. LeBron sees racial justice as very intricately tied with politics, which is why he talks about politics. Um, and so I guess kind of my counterpoint to that and really kind of my takeaway is like, you know, if the further you go down that road, ultimately, the more quote unquote unity, the more really the more just kind of entertainment and distraction you sacrifice, the more politic, the more kind of you go down that road, the more entertainment and distraction you sacrifice, mm. in essence. Yeah, no, you know? I, yeah. And like, it's impossible to have the conversation in the way that LeBron wants to have it without delving into politics. And that's why he is at where he's at. And that's why Liz Laton, I think, said what he said. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it's an inescapable conundrum that's not going to be solved. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're reaching a point, you know, where sports are a really important part of our society. But politics are becoming so important to so many people that politics in many senses are superseding kind of the enjoyment factor of sports for a lot of people. And if you don't have the political aspect, people get all fussy and boycott and do all Mm. their things and boycott athletes because they like Trump and they boycott games because they don't like kneeling for the national anthem and all that stuff, you know, and it's like we're not going to fix these issues in the sports world. We can have the sports world fix its problems that it has and we can try to get along better and try to solve as much as we can but we are not going to fix these issues and i think it's kind of like we talked about with the national anthem this summer you know it's it's a question of for me ultimately you know how much are we willing to sacrifice the, the escapism of sports world the sports world for resolving the political issues of society and i just don't know I don't know how much of a trade-off we want to have in that sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I, my, my comment was more about, to, to, to Zlatan, about how he views LeBron's work differently than, for example, his work on Child Hunger. Because mm-hmm. I don't view those things as different. My biggest fear, and this, this does tie in a little bit, not fully, but a little bit about the Gina Carano story and kind of what she said about Tom Brady or Nick Bosa is... If we're going to allow speech, we need to allow all of it. You should not only be allowed to say the majority approved speech in America as an athlete. And in my gut and in my impulse, I say more speech is good from anyone. And I've said this on the podcast before. When more people are involved in issues, that is a net positive for our society. But people need to have the freedom to speak on either side of the issue. And that, you know, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. In, in Gina Carano's case, she obviously made a, a historical comparison that is really should never be made in any context. And there, so there's, there's nuance to that as well. But 
as a general principle, and this is something that John, you've 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 mentioned more than I have, but the idea of as America in America, our our idea of freedom of speech means freedom of speech, the minor and, and that is a protection for minority speech. The majority speech doesn't need protection. Majority can protect their speech just by power of will. The reason why we need a constitutional amendment is to protect the speech of the minority. And as one ideology per pervades in Hollywood, in sports, currently in politics, the protection of the First Amendment freedom of speech and the idea of allowing speech you disagree with is designed to protect that speech which would otherwise be considered out of the norm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's constantly with this conversation we run up against that problem. And you know, I think it's really important. I think, you know, I would rather personally I disagree with LeBron on a lot of issues. I would rather him say his piece, get it out there, um and have people who disagree with him be able to totally mm -hmm. freely say what they think without, you know, having the conservative or the liberal mobs coming for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of conservatives jumping on people for making statements in the public eye. And I'm also definitely, as a conservative, not a fan of liberals jumping on conservatives for saying things, you know? Um, and I think that's just kind of the, the challenge we're in right now. Yeah. It's like, what, how are we going to try to work together to build a constructive society that listens to other people. John, as we conclude this part, my final takeaway is I think one thing that's really good that can come out of this conversation is when, and this is true of athletes, this is true of you and me on this podcast, this is true of anyone. When you speak, speak from a position of strength and not from a position of feeling like you have to or that, mm -hmm. that's, that you're, you're supposed to. Because, yeah. you know, and this is something that, you know, LeBron does. LeBron only speaks about things he thinks he knows about and he speaks from a position of education. Zlatan has chosen not to speak, and he's no one can ever make him do otherwise. But, but hopefully that this, this argument between these two has helped illustrate that both of these philosophies are okay. There's no requirement to speak, especially on things you don't know about. But if you do feel educated and you do feel led and you have the ability to speak from a position of strength, then do so. And that's my final yeah, thought. I think, I think that's... Some people would honestly even disagree with that take. Maybe. Um, but I think that it ultimately we need, like you said, I think in the my final takeaway is that we need more voices, not less. Mm -hmm. um, and that means voices that disagree with each other, both outside the sports world, in politics, and inside the sports world. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and leave this very heavy first part of the podcast here. <laughs> and when we come back, John and I are going to introduce a new month-long special segment that yeah, uh, is going to be, I think it's going to be really, really good and we can't wait for you guys to stay tuned for that. And we are back and this month in replacement of VAR Corner, John and I are going to be doing something a little unique here for the month of March. Seeing as March is Women's History Month, we're going to be highlighting some current and former women athlete, as long as some of our favorite women's sports stories over the course mm -hmm. of this month. And John, this topic kind of 
stems directly from our conversation last week about Mike Trout. We were talking about mm-hmm. one of the most dominant athletes in a sport in conversation as the greatest who does not get attention. And on the female side of that, I think we have to talk about Simone Biles. Definitely. I, I, you know, you could say Serena, but Serena actually gets a lot of mainstream attention. She gets so in, much. In proportion so to her sport. Yeah. She gets a ton. In terms of athletes who go largely unrecognized, Simone Biles, I think, is the one. Simone Biles is, in terms of Olympic and national and international success, the greatest gymnast ever by by every single metric. And she's 23. And she, Yeah, she's 23 years old. But she competes in a sport that basically doesn't get any attention. Every right. four years, we care about the Olympic gymnastic team because they help win us gold medals. And really, all we care about is who gets the most gold medals at the end. We just want to beat China and Canada. But yeah. in terms of the sport she plays, it is a incredibly intense sport. It's very competitive mm-hmm. at the collegiate level, at the national level, at the international level. They have competitions all the time. Like, Simone Biles is literally competing all the time. Yeah. But we only ever see her once every four years. John, I guess for people who only watch the Olympics or maybe even don't really follow it, like in what kind of class is Simone Biles as a as a gymnast, as an athlete? Well, it was crazy. I was looking at the stats before we were talking about this. Because, I mean, for me, Simone Biles is also not in my general, on my sports radar as someone who doesn't follow gymnastics closely. Um you know, she's won four Olympic golds. I think she's won a world medal in every gymnastics event possible. Mm-hmm. Um, she's won the most world championship medals and the most world championship gold medals. Um, I remember her when she came onto the scene at age 18 in 2016 in Rio. Um, and that women's gymnastics team was just absolutely insane. Um, and that was kind of the moment when she entered the cultural stage of like, u.s sports and it was like simone biles was everywhere during that olympics um she carried the she was the first female gymnast to be the flag bearer in the closing ceremonies that Mm -hmm. year um one of the best honestly you know michael phelps is retired she might be the best american olympian currently yeah yeah if if Uh, michael phelps has retired which he's done so before like if he doesn't come back then yeah she is I, wait, I thought he retired. He did, but he, he was retired once before. He, he oh, comes back, okay. so you, know, you never yeah. really know. You, we never know with Phelps, but but like him aside, I mean, she really. I don't. I can't think of a single American Olympian who's better than her. You know, yeah. in what she does. I mean, she was a finalist for Times Person of the Year in 2016, which is again huge cultural touchstone. But how much have you heard about her since then? Like she comes up in news articles every so often, and you're like, Simone Biles is really good. And then every so often we get the article, kind of like with the Mike Trout articles, like. Simone Biles is basically the best ever. Um, but it is interesting to see how an athlete who defines her sport, um, you know, doesn't have that many sponsorships right now, like in terms of the public eye, except for those Olympic cycles. Um, and it's interesting. I guess it's just funny. Like, I, I feel like it had to have been different, you know, in the Soviet Union, for example, back during the Cold War when, like, gymnastics was a huge deal. Like... My guess, I, I would need to do a little bit more reading, but my guess would be that maybe they took a much bigger cultural kind of like landmark position within the sports world. Um, but, you know, you think of you think of Phelps, you think of like Sean White mm-hmm. in Winter Olympics, and you think of Biles. Like those three people, for me, define American Olympians. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if Sean White like ends up competing, 
if Sean White ends up competing in summer and winter Olympics, like if he's serious about doing skateboarding in Tokyo, mm-hmm. he might take the top spot right now because that'd be crazy. But yeah, yeah, it is it is those three. So yeah, it's really remarkable, honestly. Like, and it's just she's so good. She's tremendously talented at what she does. Um, she's still so young and she has so many, obviously gymnastics is like a younger person sport, but like still she has so much time to keep growing and improving. And she's basically, I mean, she's, you know, when we're highlighting women's athletes, like there's really, you know, her and Serena right now, like I can't Mm -hmm. think of anyone who is at the, like at the top of the pyramid, you know, of like women who are redefining the sports world yeah she she is more i think she is more popular than mike trout and i think oh, for sure there's a few reasons for that she's much more marketable she actually does have some you know nationwide commercials like she's mm. been doing a uber eats commercial i've been seeing a lot lately oh yeah, yeah. she I gets she gets some national spotlight she's very charismatic and charming in interviews she's kind of a darling of the late night tv she does good morning america she has that She's, she's, she's very fun to talk to. And John, this is kind of something that we talked about last week too. She was involved in a sports story that really took off globally and kind of overshadowed mm-hmm. not only sports media, but the whole world. And that was obviously the horrific Larry Nassar sexual assault scandal. And yeah. as a member of the USA Gymnastics, as a victim of um, Larry Nasser, when she decided to become outspoken about what had happened and stand up for the other women like her, mm-hmm. she found herself in headlines that, you know, we, we talked about with Mike Trout, like sometimes athletes need some sort of big, crazy story, like a in baseball, we said a steroid scandal, but something that trans or the Astros cheating scandal, but something that transcends the sport and becomes major news worldwide. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she found herself in that situation with gymnastics. But it's almost weird to say that that helped her brand uh, with how horrific that was, but it, it was a big story that we talked about for months and she became a very visible and public face of that and the, the recovery of the women and the, the quest for justice. And so um, as, a, as a cultural figure, she's taken on a significant amount of importance beyond just her marketability or what she does on the, on the balance beam or, or in, in her sport. Yeah, I, I think it's just that's a really important point that like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of athletes who have spoken up about social issues, um, who've spoken up about racism or about political stuff like we talked about earlier with LeBron. But athletes like Simone Biles, who are speaking up in circumstances of sexual assault, sexual mm-hmm. abuse, you know, like the importance of that can't be understated. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's not just like a it's helped her reputation grow. It's like, um, it's a crucial role that athletes like her play in, you know, the modern world, uh, where, you know, issues like this just keep coming up, um, within the sports world where, you know, people in leadership have been abusing female athletes. Um, and you know, like the fact that she was outspoken about what happened, you know, and, you know, kept competing this mental strength that she showed through all of that to be as good as she was mm-hmm. while undergoing that horrific stuff and then coming out to speak out about it and bringing justice in those circumstances, you know, like, I think that is a perfect example of showing what the strength is really needed um, within the athletics community, where it's like a change has to happen 
or something awful is happening and you choose to speak up about it. And like, I think if we're talking about, you know, role models for athletes speaking up about issues in the world around them, mm -hmm. I don't think we need to look any further than Simone Biles for sure. No, that, that is, that is the story. And you know, yeah. last week in baseball, we said that baseball players need to become sometimes the villain to get attention. In this case, because these women were victimized and the courage they showed, they actually became heroes. They became mm -hmm. the heroes of the story because of their courage, their grace, their just their strength in what is an unimaginably difficult situation. And that's something that is a it's a it's a rare amount of courage that we don't see often, but is is worth every single commendation in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, Simone Biles, what a what a way to start out this segment as we go through this month, she is, besides besides Serena Williams, the definitive athlete of her time in terms of female athletes. Mm -hmm. And as far as going a little bit under the radar because of her sport, she really does carry the torch, not only literally at the Olympics, but figuratively for <laughs> women's athletes all across the world and especially in yeah. this country. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, this has been a heavy one. This has been a long one. We didn't expect it to go as deep, maybe, or as intense as it did, but here we are at the end. We've made it. You can get out of the deep end of the pool. We're back in the shallow end where things are, I guess, light and humorous and nice. John, I hope you enjoy covering the ASON tournament this weekend. If you guys want to check out any of John's coverage or want to keep up with Liberty, make sure. Will you be writing just online day by day for the paper? Yeah, I'll be online day by day. Follow me on Twitter. Because even if I don't write a story on a particular game, I'll be tweeting updates throughout the game and sending out quotes from Coach McKay and the gang. So so for the Liberty Sports listeners or just those who care about John's work, a.k.a. Oh. John's family and maybe me, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be following along with everything you're doing, John. And I guess that's it for this week. Next week yeah. we'll be back with another main topic and then we'll be exploring another women's sports story, perhaps a league of their own, question mark? That's question a little, mark, that's a little mark. tease for you. If you guys have any uh, questions for us for next week's podcast, it can be about the topic we discussed today with Zlatan and LeBron. It could be something related to culture, media, movies, television, or it could be a women's sports story that you found particularly interesting or inspirational that you would like us to talk about. Make sure to let us know. We'd be happy to do that. And until next week, guys, we will talk to you guys later. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers.